0: Chapter three part one of the house in the mist by Anna Katherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Chapter three part one a life drama. But to reach this wanderer, it was first necessary for me to escape from the house. This proved simple enough. The upstairs room towards which I rushed had a window overlooking one of the many lean tos already mentioned the window was fastened but I had no difficulty in unlocking it or finding my way to the ground from the top of the lean-to but once again on terra firma i discovered that the mist was now so thick that it had all the effect of a fog at sea it was icy cold as well and clung about me so that i presently began to shudder most violently and strong man though i was wish myself back in the little attic bedroom from which i had climbed in search of one in more unhappy case than myself but these feelings did not cause me to return if i found the night cold she must find it bitter if desolation oppressed my naturally hopeful spirit must it not be more overwhelming yet to one whose memories were sad and whose future was doubtful and the child what infant could live in an air like this edging away from the house i called out her name but no answer came back the persons whom we had heard flitting in restless longing about the house a few moments before had left in rage and she possibly with them yet i could not imagine her joining herself to people of their stamp there had been a solitariness in her aspect which seemed to forbid any such companionship whatever her story at least she had nothing in common with the two ill-favoured persons whose faces i had seen looking in at the casement no i should find her alone but where certainly the ring of mist surrounding me at that moment offered me little prospect of finding her anywhere either easily or soon again i raised my voice and again i failed to meet with response then fearing to leave the house lest i should be quite lost amid the fences and brush lying between it and the road i began to feel my way along the walls calling softly now instead of loudly so anxious was i not to miss any chance of carrying comfort if not succour to the woman i was seeking but the night gave back no sound and when i came to the open door of a shed i welcomed the refuge it offered and stepped in i was of course confronted by darkness a different darkness from that without blanket-like and impenetrable but when after a moment of intense listening i heard a soft sound as of weariful breathing i was seized anew by hope and feeling in my pocket for my match-box i made a light and looked around my intuitions had not deceived me she was there sitting on the floor with her cheek pressed against the wall she revealed to my eager scrutiny only the outlines of her pure pale profile but in those outlines and on those pure pale features, I saw such an abandonment of hope mingled with such quiet endurance that my whole soul melted before it, and it was with difficulty I managed to say, Pardon, I do not wish to intrude, but I am shut out of the house also, and the night is raw and cold. Can I do nothing for your comfort, or for—for the child's? she turned toward me and i saw a tremulous gleam of pleasure disturb the sombre stillness of her face then the match went out in my hand and we were again in complete darkness but the little wail which at the same instant rose from between her arms filled up the pause as her sweet hush filled my heart i am used to the cold came in another moment from the place where she crouched It is the child she is hungry and i i walked here feeling hoping that as my father's heir i might partake in some slight measure of uncle anthony's money though my father cast me out before he died and i have neither home nor money i do not complain i forfeit it all when another wail another gentle hush then silence i lit another match look in my face i prayed i am a stranger and you would be showing only proper prudence not to trust me but i overheard your words when you withdrew from the room where your fortune lay and i honour you madam if food can be got for your little one i will get it i caught sight of the convulsive clasp with which she drew to her breast the tiny bundle she held then darkness fell again a little bread she entreated a little milk ah baby baby hush but where can i get it i cried they are at table inside i hear them shouting over their good cheer but perhaps there are neighbors near by do you know there are no neighbors she replied what is got must be got here i know a way to the kitchen i used to visit uncle anthony when a little child if you have the courage i laughed this token of confidence seemed to reassure her i heard her move possibly she stood up in the further corner of this shed said she there used to be a trap connecting this floor with an underground passageway a ladder stood against the trap and a small cellar at the foot communicated by means of an iron-bound door with the large one under the house eighteen years ago the wood of that door was old now it should be rotten if you have the strength i will make the effort and see said i but when i am in the cellar what then follow the wall to the right you will come to a stone staircase as this staircase has no railing be careful in ascending it at the top you will find a door it leans into a pantry adjoining the kitchen some one will be in that pantry some one will give you a bite for the child and when she is quieted and the sun has risen i will go away it is my duty to do so my uncle was always upright if cold he was perfectly justified in exacting rectitude in his airs i might have rejoined by asking if she detected rectitude in the faces of the greedy throng she had left behind her with the guardian of this estate but i did not i was too intent upon following out her directions lighting another match i sought the trap alas it was burdened with a pile of sticks and rubbish which looked as if they had lain there for years as these had to be removed in total darkness it took me some time but once this debris had been scattered and thrown aside i had no difficulty in finding the trap and as the ladder was still there i was soon on the cellar bottom when by the reassuring shout i gave she knew that i had advanced thus far she spoke and her voice had a soft and thrilling sound do not forget your own needs she said we two are not so hungry that we cannot wait for you to take a mouthful i will sing to the baby good-bye these ten minutes we had spent together had made us friends the warmth the strength which this discovery brought gave to my arm a force that made that old oak door go down before me in three vigorous pushes had the eight fortunate ones above not been indulging in a noisy celebration of their good luck they must have heard the clatter of this door when it fell but good eating good drink and the prospect of an immediate fortune far beyond their wildest dreams made all ears deaf and no pause occurred in the shouts of laughter and the hum of good-fellowship which sifted down between the beams supporting the house above my head consequently little or no courage was required for the completion of my adventure and before long i came upon the staircase and the door leading from its top into the pantry the next minute i was in front of that door but here a surprise awaited me the noise which had hitherto been loud now became deafening and i realized that contrary to eunice Westonor's expectation the supper had been spread in the kitchen and that i was likely to run amok of the whole despicable crowd in any effort i might make to get a bite for the famished baby i therefore naturally hesitated to open the door fearing to draw attention to myself and when i did succeed in lifting the latch and making a small crack i was so astonished by the sudden lull in the general babble that i drew hastily back and was for descending the stairs in sudden retreat but i was prevented from carrying out this cowardly impulse by catching the sound of the lawyer's voice addressing the assembled guests you have eaten and you have drunk he was saying you are therefore ready for the final toast brothers nephews heirs all of anthony Westonor." I rise to propose the name of your generous benefactor who if spirits walk this earth must certainly be with us to-night a grumble from more than one throat and an uneasy hitch from such shoulders as i could see through my narrow vantage-hall testify to the rather doubtful pleasure with which this suggestion was received but the lawyer's tones lost none of their animation as he went on to say the bottle from which your glasses are to be replenished for this final draught he has himself provided so anxious was he that it should be of the very best and altogether worthy of the occasion it is to celebrate that he gave into my charge almost with his dying breath this key telling me that it would unlock a cupboard here in which he had placed a bottle of wine of the very rarest vintage this is the key and yonder if i do not mistake is the cupboard they had already quaffed a dozen toasts perhaps this was why they accepted this proposition in a sort of panting silence which remained unbroken while the lawyer crossed the floor unlocked the cupboard and brought out before them a bottle which he held up before their eyes with a simulated glee almost saturnine. isn't that a bottle to make your eyes dance the very cobwebs on it are eloquent and see look at this label tokai friends real tukai. how many of you ever had the opportunity of drinking real Tokay before a long deep sigh from a half-dozen throats in which some strong but hitherto repressed passion totally incomprehensible to me found sudden vent rose in one simultaneous sound from about that table and i heard one jocular voice sing out pass it around smeat i'll drink to uncle anthony out of that bottle till there isn't a drop left to tell what was in it but the lawyer was in no hurry you have forgotten the letter for the hearing of which you are all called together mr anthony westenall left behind him a letter the time is now come for reading it as i heard these words and realized that the final toast was to be delayed and that some few moments must yet elapse before the room would be cleared and an opportunity given me for obtaining what i needed for the famishing mother and child i felt such impatience with the fact and so much anxiety as to the condition of those i had left behind me that i questioned whether it would not be better for me to return to them empty-handed than to leave them so long without the comfort of my presence when the fascination of the scene again seized me and i found myself lingering to mark its conclusion With an avidity which can only be explained by my sudden and intense consciousness of what it all might mean to her, whose witness I had thus inadvertently become. The careful lawyer began by quoting the injunction with which this letter had been put in his hands. When they are warm with food and wine, but not too warm, thus his adjuration ran, then let them hear my first and only words to them i know you are eager for these words folks so honest so convinced of their own purity and uprightness that they can stand unmoved while the youngest and most helpless among them withdraws her claim to wealth and independence rather than share an unmerited bounty such folk i say must be eager must be very anxious to know why they have been made the legatees of so great a fortune under the easy conditions and amid such slight restrictions as have been imposed upon them by their munificent kinsmen "'I had rather go on drinking toasts,' babbled one thick voice. "'I had rather finish my figuring,' growled another, in whose grating tones no echo remained of Hector Westonor's formerly honeyed voice. "'I'm making out a list of stock.' "'Blast your stock, that is, if you mean horses and cows,' screamed a third. "'I'm going in for city life.' with less money than we have got andreas amsburger got to be alderman alderman sneered the whole pack and the tumult became general if more of us had been sick called out one or if uncle luke say had tripped into the ditch instead of on the edge of it the fellows who came safe through might have had anything they wanted even to the governorship of the estate or or silence came in commanding tones from the lawyer who had begun to let his disgust appear perhaps because he held under his thumb the bottle upon which all eyes were now lovingly centred so lovingly indeed that i ventured to increase in the smallest perceptible degree the crack by means of which i was myself an interested if unseen participator of this scene a sight of smead and a partial glimpse of old luke's covetous profile rewarded this small act of daring on my part the lawyer was standing all the rest were sitting perhaps he alone retained sufficient steadiness to stand for i observed by the control he exercised over this herd of self-seekers that he alone had not touched the cup which had so freely gone about among the others the woman was hidden from me but the change in her voice when by any chance i heard it convinced me that she had not disdained the toasts drunk by her brothers and nephews silence the lawyer reiterated or i will smash this bottle on the hearth he raised it in one threatening hand and every man there seemed to tremble while old luke put out his fingers with an entreaty that ill became them you want to hear the letter old Smead called out i thought so putting the bottle down again but still keeping one hand upon it he drew a folded paper from his breast this said he contains the final injunctions of anthony westonaw you will listen all of you or i will not only smash this bottle before your eyes but i will keep for ever buried in my breast the whereabouts of certain draughts and bonds in which as his heirs you possess the greatest interest nobody but myself knows where these papers can be found whether this was so or whether the threat was an empty one thrown out by this subtle old schemer for the purpose of safeguarding his life from their possible hate and impatience had answered his end with these semi-intoxicated men and secured him the silence he demanded breaking open the seal of the envelope he held he showed them the folded sheet which it contained with the remark i have had nothing to do with the writing of this letter it is in mr westenaw's own hand and he was not even so good as to communicate to me the nature of its contents i was bidden to read it to such as should be here assembled under the provisos mentioned in his will and as you are now in a condition to listen i will proceed with my task as required this was my time for leaving but a certain brooding terror latent in the air held me chained to the spot listening with my ears but receiving the full sense of what was read from the expression of old luke's face which was probably more plainly visible to me than to those who sat beside him for being bent almost into a bow as i have said his forehead came within an inch of touching his plate and one had to look under his arms as i did to catch the workings of his evil mouth as old smead gave forth in his professional sing-song the following words from his departed client brothers nephews and heirs though the earth has lain upon my breast a month i am with you here to-night a snort from old luke's snarling lips and a stir not a comfortable one in the jostling crowd whose shaking arms and clawing hands i could see projecting here and there over the board my presence at this feast a presence which if unseen cannot be unfelt may bring you more pain than pleasure but if so it matters little you are my natural heirs and i have left you my money why when so little love has characterized our intercourse must be evident to such of my brothers as can recall their youth and the promise our fathers exacted from us on the day we set foot in this new land there were nine of us in those days luke salmon barbara hector eustace janet hudson william and myself and all save one were promising in appearance at least but our father knew his offspring and when we stood an alien and miserable band in front of castle garden at the foot of the great city whose immensity struck terror to our hearts he drew all our hands together and made us swear by the soul of our mother whose body we had left in the sea that we would keep the bond of brotherhood intact and share with mutual confidence whatever good fortune this untried country might hold in store for us you were strong and your voices rang out loudly mine was faint for i was weak so weak that my hand had to be held in place by my sister barbara but my oath has never lost its hold upon my heart while yours answer how you have kept it luke or you janet or you hector of this smooth tongue and vicious heart or you or you whom from one stock recognize but one law the law of cold-blooded selfishness which seeks its own in face of all oaths and at the cost of another man's heartbreak this i say to such as know my story but lest there be one amongst you who has not heard from parent or uncle the true tale of him who has brought you all under one roof to-night i will repeat it here in words that no man may fail to understand why i remembered my oath through life and beyond death yet stand above you an accusing spirit while you quaff me toasts and count the gains my justice divides among you i as you all remember was the weak one the never do well when all of you were grown and had homes of your own i still remained under the family roof-tree fed by our father's bounty and looking to our father's justice for that share of his savings which he had promised to all alike when he died it came to me as it came to you but i had married before that day married not like the rest of you for what a wife could bring but for sentimental and true passion this in my case meant a loving wife but a frail one and while we lived a little while on the patrimony left us it was far too small to support us long without some aid from our own hands and our hands were feeble and could not work and so we fell into debt for rent and ere long for the commonest necessities of life in vain i struggled to redeem myself the time of my prosperity had not come and i only sank deeper and deeper into debt and finally into indigence a baby came our landlord was kind and allowed us to stay for two weeks under the roof for whose protection we could not pay but at the end of that time we were asked to leave and i found myself on the road with a dying wife a wailing infant no money in my purse and no power in my arm to earn any then when my heart and hope were both failing i recalled that ancient oath and the six prosperous homes scattered up and down the very highway on which i stood i could not leave my wife the fever was in her veins and she could not bear me out of her sight so i put her on a horse which a kind old neighbour was willing to lend me and holding her up with one hand guided the horse with the other to the home of my brother luke he was a straight enough fellow in those days physically i mean and he looked able and strong that morning as he stood in the open doorway of his house gazing down at us as we halted before him in the roadway but his temper had grown greedy with the accumulation of a few dollars and he shook his head as he closed his door saying he remembered no oath and that spenders must expect to be beggars struck to the heart by a rebuff which meant prolongation of the suffering i saw in my dear wife's eyes i stretched up and kissed her where she sat half fainting on the horse then i moved on I came to barbara's home next she had been a little mother to me once that is she had fed and dressed me and dolled out blows and caresses and taught me to read and sing but barbara in her father's home and without fortune was not the barbara i saw on the threshold of the little cottage she called her own she heard my story looked in the face of my wife and turned her back she had no place for idle folk in her little house if we would work she would feed us but we must earn our supper or go hungry to bed i felt the trembling of my wife's frame when she leaned against my arm and kissing her again led her on to Salmans. luke hector janet have you heard him tell of that vision at his gateway twenty-five years ago he is not amongst you For twelve years he was lain beside our father in the churchyard, but his sons may be here, for they were ever alert when gold was in sight or a full glass to be drained. Ask them, ask John, whom I saw skulking behind his cousins at the garden fence that day, what it was they saw as I drew rein under the great tree which shadowed their father's doorstep the sunshine had been pitiless that morning and the head for whose rest in some loving shelter i would have bartered soul and body had fallen sidewise till it lay on my arm pressed to her breast was our infant whose little wail struck and pitiful as salmon called out what's to do here to-day do you remember it lads Or how you all laughed, little and great, when I asked for a few weeks' stay under my brother's roof, till we could all get well, and go about our tasks again. I remember, I, who am writing these words from the very mouth of the tomb, I remember. But I do not curse you, I only rode on to the next the way ran uphill now and the sun which since our last stop had been under a cloud came out and blistered my wife's cheeks already burning red with fever but i pressed my lips upon them and led her on with each rebuff i gave her a kiss and her smile as her head pressed hard and hard upon my arm now exerting all its strength to support her grew almost divine but it vanished at my nephew Lemuel's. He was shearing sheep, and could give no time to company, and when, late in the day, I drew rein at Janet's, and she said she was going to have a dance, and could not look after sick folk, the pallid lips failed to return my despairing embrace, and in the terror which this brought me, I went down in the gathering twilight into the deep valley where William raised his sheep, and reckoned... Day by day the increase among his pigs. Oh, the chill of that descent! Oh, the gloom of the gathering shadows! As we neared the bottom and I heard a far-off voice shout out a hoarse command, some instinct made me reach up for the last time and bestow that faithful kiss which was at once her consolation and my prayer my lips were cold with the terror of my soul but they were not so cold as the cheek they touched and shrieking in my misery and need i fell before william where he halted by the horse trough and he was always a hard man was william and it was a shock to him no doubt to see us standing in our anguish and necessity before him but he raised the whip in his hand and when it fell my arm fell with it and she slipped from my grasp to the ground and lay in a heap in the roadway he was ashamed next minute and pointed out to the house near by but i did not carry her in and she died in the roadway do you remember it luke do you remember it lemuel but it is not of this i complain at this hour nor is it for this i ask you to drink the toast i have prepared for you the looks the writhings of old luke and such others i could now see through the widening crack my hands unconsciously made in the doorway told me that the rack was at work in this room so lately given up to revelry yet the mutterings which from time to time came to my ear from one sullen lip or another did not rise into frightened imprecation or even into any assertion of sorrow or contrition it seemed as if some suspense common to all held them speechless if not dumbly apprehensive and while the lawyer said nothing in recognition of this he could not have been quite blind to it for he bestowed one curious glance around the table before he proceeded with old anthony's words chapter three part one